just got back from Florida late last night. I went down there with my mom and my aunt to visit family for eight days, and it was just one of the greatest family reunions slash family visits that I can remember. First time I ever went to Florida, I was three years old, and that's when I met all of my family that currently live down there. And it was just such a magical experience, just being so far away from home for one, and then meeting all these people who knew so much about me and loved me so much. Um, and then seeing the similarities in, in my cousins when I was little, when I first met them, I, I realized like, wow, these kids are, they're just like me, you know, how is that? And that's when I learned about, you know, what family is, what family means. And it was through them that I, that I learned that. So a lot of these cousins down there I hadn't seen in so many years. So during this trip, I got to see him again. Um, one of those cousins being uh, my cousin Matthew, who has been fishing for all of his life, and he's in his 30s, so you can imagine he knows exactly what he's doing. He took me kayak fishing one early morning on the Atlantic coast of Florida, and let me tell you, this is some of the greatest fishing I've ever done. You're, you're Just imagine you're kayaking out in the open water. You've got dolphins swimming right next to you. You've got, you've got a curious manatee who's just about underneath your kayak, and it just keeps coming up and going down, and, and they're very curious animals. But it's just an awesome thing. It's my first time saltwater fishing. Caught a bunch of redfish, uh, caught some mullet, um, caught a bunch of sea trout. It was fantastic. Just an awesome time. Very, very magical. It had that that feel to it. That just a dreamy kind of like, wow, this is really something. Because probably the first, it's the first time I've ever done it before. But also because it is that great, and it was it was incredible. At one point it was raining, so we're out on the water and it's just like, it's very strange because while it's raining, the water becomes very calm, almost as if the, the water droplets cancel out um, you know, the, the choppiness of the water. It, it was never rough, but you see just this flat, glassy surface with all these tiny little droplets on it. So it was really something. I actually have all of a lot of this trip documented on my second YouTube channel that I just made called Nick's Whip Shop 2. So that video is actually in the other room. It's in the whip shop right now. It's on my laptop. That video is finalizing and it should be rendered completely in about 20 minutes. So as soon as that's done, probably while I'm recording this podcast on my break, I'm going to go over there and upload that um, to Nick's Whip Shop 2. So check out my new channel. It's the same as Nick's Whip Shop, the original, but just a little too after the name. So check that out. It's gonna be it's gonna be a new channel about. It's gonna have a bunch of reviews on it. It's going to have um, things like this vlog style stuff that's not quite uh, as finely edited, and I'm not paying as much attention to detail as I am um, the, on the main channel. Also, I introduced a lot of my family in Florida to whips and whip cracking, and they loved it. I, I was actually surprised as to how much some of my family enjoyed cracking these whips and how quickly they picked up on it. It was it was crazy. My Aunt Mary is 76 years old. I handed her a Adam Winrich stock whip and within five to ten minutes she was cracking it. It was crazy. All this is in in the video. Check it out. It's actually uh, it's if you're listening to this podcast now go to Nick's Whip Shop 2 and you'll see it's the first video I ever uploaded. So what's up with the lathe? I moved the lathe out into the garage because it was just making such a terrible mess. But also I ordered and received in the mail some tools to sharpen the lathe tools. 
I can't even tell you how much better this thing works now. I don't even know how those tools were cutting the wood. How was I even shaping the wood with how dull they were? I don't know, but let me tell you, I sharpened them all and they cut that wood like you wouldn't believe. So I have one more order that I'm working on right now. It's the matched pair. And after that's finished, I think that I'm gonna actually have some time in between orders to just kind of make whips and throw them up on nickswhipshop.com on the whips and stock page as a first come, first come, first serve. So a lot of those whips are gonna have wooden handles because I want the practice. I just wanna make a bunch of whips and get some wooden handles under my belt. So keep an eye out on nickswhipshop.com whips and stock page. You're gonna see a lot of new whips available for sale. So I'm Nick Schrader and you are listening to Whipcast. <laughs> Guys, the 2018 Los Angeles Whip Cracking Convention dates have been set. So if you don't know what the Los Angeles Whip Cracking Convention is, it's nothing but the greatest whip cracking convention uh, perhaps uh, in the world. That's all. This is an event held by Adam Winrich every year in Los Angeles, California. I went for my first time actually the beginning of this year. I'd known about it for a while, but for who knows why, I just... I just was unable to, to head out. Maybe it was uh, the money. Maybe it was just intimidation. Um, but I finally went, and boy, am I glad that I did. This is a place where whip makers, performers, whip crackers of all kinds come, meet, talk, hang out, crack, crack whips, and just enjoy the company of each other. Whip making is a, is a tiny thing in this world relative to everything else. So when you get, you know, 50, 60 people all in one, at one park talking and having a good time, and it all evolves around whips, you can't help looking at these people that you just met and feeling like you've known them all your life because they're speaking your language. You're isolated, perhaps misunderstood in the past language. I, I can't tell you how many friends I've had that I told them, yeah, I'm, I'm making whips. I make whips now for a living. I crack whips. And they just don't understand it. You know, given a lot of the people who try out a whip for the first time and get it to crack, that just you see the smile on their face and like, wow, I just learned something new. Uh, but there's also a, a fair share of people who just go, what? You're weird. And that's okay. But the whip cracking, the LA Whip Con, as I like to call it, is a place where you're getting all of these whip makers and whip crackers from around the world, mostly from around the U.S., but there are people who travel from other countries here. And it's just two solid days of fun, trading ideas with other whip makers, competitions, fun. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, Adam actually told me to share this event with everyone that I can as far as invites. You, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're invited. 
everyone is invited to this event. I actually put out a video on my main channel a few days ago and included a lot of uh, video footage of the 2017 convention, so check that out. So let's get into the details so you guys know where to go and when. This is a two-day event, um, January 6th, 2018 through January 7th, 2018. This is two days back-to-back, -back, Saturday and a Sunday. So on the first day, on January 6th, we're meeting at 10 a.m. at McCambridge Park in Burbank, California. So the first day is the competition day. Um, you can sign up for a number of different whip cracking competitions. One-handed whip cracking freestyle, two-handed whip cracking freestyle, there is quick draw, which is target cutting, speed rounds of target cutting, accuracy. Um, these are a few of the competitions uh, that will be held. So that's on day one. That's January 6th. That's on Saturday. The next day, um, if things haven't changed, I don't think they have. I'll talk to Adam about it. The next day is more focused on some seminars, some classes. Um, a lot of the uh, whip makers that attended the last convention um, offered seminars where you can pay and it's basically an on-the-field class. Everybody will gather around, and these whip makers will teach you some very valu valuable skills. I actually attended April Choi's Fire Whip seminar, and she was so thorough about it, she probably went on for three and a half hours. Just so much detail, so much information packed into one seminar. It was just fantastic. I learned a lot of things about Kevlar, um, a lot of... Uh, things about how fire whips are built, things to do, things not to do, how to repair them, and so on. So in addition to just having a great time, the whip cracking convention is also a place where you can learn valuable information from experienced whip makers. So as far as times go, as I said, we are meeting at 10 a.m. on January 6th, and usually we'll stay there until night. Um, so that's about 6 p.m., 7 p.m., Oftentimes, after that, we'll all go, go eat somewhere and continue on the night. So the next day, uh, we'll meet usually about the same time, about 10 o'clock. And once again, that goes uh, into the night, usually about 7 or 8 p.m. the next day. Everybody will say their goodbyes and head back home. Now we have a very special guest who is going to be attending this year's Los Angeles Whip Cracking Convention. Mr. Peter Thorndike is flying out from Australia. Um, in my opinion, he is perhaps the greatest whip maker out there. This guy can plate 64 strands of, of kangaroo hide on an overlay of a stock whip. And it's just surreal. His website is peterthorndike.com. And he has a lot of examples of his work on there. And to see this, this work in person, this craftsmanship, It'll really blow your mind if you're into any form of craftsmanship. You don't have to be a whip maker to appreciate this. When you see his work, uh, it'll inspire you. It will just do nothing but inspire you. So I'm looking forward to meeting Pete. He's been a huge inspiration to me. 
I can't wait to meet him. So that is your information on the 2018 Los Angeles Whip Cracking Convention. Man, that's a mouthful, but I like saying if you haven't already noticed that. So you're all invited. I hope to see you there. Let's get on to some questions to answer here. I'm going to answer some of your questions. Jeremy. This is a comment on my... Uh, Waxing a nylon whip video. Hey, Nick. Love your work. I waxed one of my whips. It kind of made the yellow cord look dirty. Did I do something wrong? I followed your instructions to a T. Good question, Jeremy. You did nothing wrong. Um, a lot of paracord companies will use different types of dye for their paracord. And some, it's hard to distinguish what brands will do this. But a lot of the times, you'll have that look. It's kind of a rustic look. You'll, you'll dip, you'll dip a, a whip in wax. You'll take it out. It looks good. And then it scratches and flakes off very easily. And that's just something that happens with certain brands. So I'm kind of I'm working to identify what, what brands do that. And maybe if I figure it out, I can kind of come up with a list of brands that do that. Uh, it doesn't mean that the parachute cord is any worse. It's not bad parachute cord. It just means that uh, sometimes the dyes are repellent to the wax, and it doesn't accept the wax very well. So, Jeremy, you did nothing wrong. I would recommend trying a different brand of parachute cord, and you might find that it accepts the wax better and doesn't flake off like that. But that is an annoying thing. I've had that happen quite a bit. I still do now and then. So try a different brand, Jeremy. Burger Bandit is back, and he commented on my latest video uh, called Announcements, where I talk about the L.A. WhipCon for this year. Uh, sorry, for next year. I really want to go. Maybe I'll try to sell a few more whips to try to earn enough for a plane ticket there. Um, Burger Bandit, I actually saw your comment before I recorded this podcast, I was just skimming through, just doing a little preparation before uh, before I started recording. And I think that's why I mentioned, like, yeah, plane tickets are not cheap, but yeah, I just keep on selling, man. Keep on uh, keep on saving. You know, it's I know it's not cheap. I, if I had more money, I I would just I would fly all you guys out, you know. But I can't. Yeah, I wish I could. But just save up, man. You can do it. You still have a few months. I hope you can come. Uh, Jesse commented on my original six-foot bullwhip tutorial and said, Thank you for the tips and putting the time into this video. You walk away with some good stuff. I appreciate that, Jesse. I'm really glad that you found it helpful. Many more videos to come. Nick says, very, very nice. I will be using this for my next whip build. That's also a uh, comment on the original how to make a six-foot bull whip tutorial. Nick, I'm glad you liked the video, but I would recommend maybe watching some of my later videos because I changed a lot of things since that video. That's an older video, and I believe my newer methods to be better than my old methods. Um, so I would encourage, if you want to use that method, that is, there's nothing wrong with that. 
I discussed in, in recent times that using tape in a whip doesn't make it bad. It's just there are better ways to make one. So um, take a look at the new videos, Nick. Uh, regardless of what you do, enjoy plating and have fun. Ah, Thea. Here's a comment from Thea Reed of, of Mojave Outliers. Uh, Thea makes a lot of shorter kangaroo hide whips, beautiful whips. Thea, I love your work so much. I've known about your work um, for probably about maybe two or three years. And let me tell you guys, if, if you're looking for a, a, a nice kangaroo hide whip, check out DesertMinks.com. Um, Thea makes some beautiful work. And Thea has some advice for me on rolling a whip. This is on my rolling whip layers video that I made a few months ago. She says, very nice. What I'd also recommend is securing the whip at both ends and such that it can spin but not twist. Otherwise, as you get closer to your tail, you are twisting it. Now let's stop right here and talk about this. This is a very good, uh, very good bit of advice here from Thea. In the video, um, I only secured the whip on one one side that was near the end that was the fall I actually I believe I took like a 10 pound weight and looped the fall through it and had that weight hold down um, the smaller end of the whip while I rolled it and I mentioned something about while rolling the whip while putting pressure straight down you also it's good to push outwards towards the handle so that uh, tension is kept on the whip so if you guys follow Thea's advice here what she's talking about doing is not only securing it on the fall end but also somehow secure the whip around the handle and what that's gonna do is it's gonna automatically hold tension on the whip so you won't have to focus on you know stopping and straightening the whip out stretching it you can just focus all of your energy and pressure into rolling the whip and not having to worry about um, keeping tension on the whip and just just roll it that's all you have to worry about so moving on you'll have to plan ahead a little for extra material especially at the heel or else get a nice piece of leather lace to lark's head around it so you have something to use to tie it to a weight or a hook i like the idea of the plasti dip for a pair for paracord, but for leather, I wrap a fresh section of paper grocery bag around my board. It's always clean, but you need to make sure you change it. It provides grip, and it will mop up any extra conditioner on the strands, as well as collect minute bits of debris, usually leather dust. A kick-butt way to clean your whip fast. Um, I wonder how the Plasti Dip would work on a leaf spring. <coughs> Excuse me. I've never got one because I'm not sure I'm skilled enough to polish the surface so there are no burrs or scratches that might damage leather or paracord for that matter. Plasti Dip might provide both protection against that and extra grip and it's a lot heavier and curved compared to a piece of board. As for a rolling surface, I got lucky and inherited my, inherited my grandmother's marble-topped baking table. Wow, marble is the way to go, Thea. I don't have access to marble now, but if I ever do, I'll, uh, I'll definitely use it. Over the decades, the surface has been worn from all grand's yummy bread dough kneading. 
Wow. Um, so it's still smooth, but it does have that super polished glassy texture, like a new piece of marble or granite does, which also provides grip. This table is much easier to get really clean than the, f than the shop floor. I can even use acetone with an alcohol chaser. For upper body strength, fall in love with someone, with someone who's at least 6'6 tall and promise them a sandwich if they'll roll your whip for you <laughs> or kneel on a chair with a cushion, trust me. And don't use a stool to stand on because you can fall very easily. Again, this is for leather, which you can't clean the way you can paracord. Thea, thank you so much for your time. I um, I don't make a lot of um, leather whips. I I don't. I I should because it's it's kind of the way that I can compare making a paracord whip to making a leather whip. I've discussed this with some of my other whip maker friends, but. And a lot of you, <laughs> a lot of you whipmakers who use paracord only might get perhaps offended, but it's kind of the way it is. Making a parachute cord whip is kind of like a coloring book. It still takes skill, but it doesn't take, it doesn't require nearly as much skill as making a leather whip. Making a leather whip is like freehanding. Okay. All of your strands of paracord are a single width. You do not have to take this big sheet of leather and take a strander and go around and around and around. It's much more work to make a leather whip than it is to make a parachute cord whip. So what comes with that are benefits. You, you can, when you're making something completely from scratch, you're quote-unquote freehanding something, you have the potential and ability to take it further as far as custom customization goes. Your strand widths of that leather are now completely up to your discretion, whereas before uh, you are confined to a certain width, which is 4.5 millimeters, um, a parachute cord, and you're stuck there. So that has to determine how many strands you use because that, that width is set in stone. It's your black lines around your coloring book that you color in. And that's not to bash us nylon whip makers, not at all. It just means that leather whips, they take a little more work and it's something that you build up to. It's something that I'm still building up to. I am nowhere near the level of, of Thea um, and Adam and Blake and Steve, I, I, I still am building up to that level. So Thea, reading this right now just made me uh, more motivated to get further into making kangaroo hide whips because I'd love to get to your level. And um, thank you so much for this little tip here about using a paper grocery bag um, around the board. So that way you just take it off. You don't have to scrub the thing down every time. That's a great idea. So you guys who are into leather whips, this is this is a great idea. And that marble, man, if I could if I had access to a marble slab like that, that's pretty much the best way to do it right there. So thank you so much, Thea. I love your work, by the way. I'm a huge fan of your work. 
And thank you so much for stopping by and taking the time to uh, enlighten me with your valuable information. And I hope to see you at the LA WhipCon. I don't, I thought I remember you saying something about going, but if not, uh, maybe next year. Next, next year, because next year is the 2018 WhipCon. So thanks, Thea. Um, this is a comment on my Replacing Falls and Crackers video from Mordeshi. Sorry, ruined, I probably can't pronounce your name. I was wondering, if I wanted to make a 9-foot bullwhip, but I can't get sinker cord for whatever reason, would gutted 550 paracord work as a substitute? Yes, it would. I actually addressed this in the previous podcast. Um, if you're going to use paracord for your core, I would recommend, if you have access to it, using 650 cord because the diameter is a little bit bigger and the BBs are going to slide in more easily. As it is, 550 paracord is pretty darn tight uh, as far as accepting BBs. So eh, I, I would say it's it's not... It's not going to be that easy to get them in if you're going to use 550. So 650 would be better, Mordeshi. But if all else fails, yes, 550 cord works, but it's going to be very, very slow to get them in. Uh, Asanber commented, this is just a comment on the channel. This isn't addressed to any certain video. Hello, friend. How small can a whip be and sound strong? Thank you. This is a good question. I've thought about this a lot. Um... There are world records for the longest whips in the world, but are there any for the shortest? I don't think so. Hmm. That'd be a good, uh, good discussion, perhaps, or a good video to do. I actually don't know the answer to that. I would imagine that you could get... It, it all comes down to how fast can you flick your wrist, because I'm sure you could get something a foot, one foot long to crack, maybe even six inches to crack, but as far as practicality goes anything shorter than two feet long is in my opinion impractical i would actually say three feet anything shorter than three feet long is going to be really hard to crack and it's not going to be as loud as something either three feet long or, or longer so asan bar i would probably say three feet is probably the cutoff point that doesn't mean any something short. That doesn't mean something shorter than three feet won't crack because it will. Uh, you did list though in your question the words sound strong. So a strong crack is a loud crack, and I think three feet is your cutoff point for that. Jacob commented on my most recent video about the announcements. Hey Nick, I remember you saying in one of your videos you would make a video on different cracks and how they affect the sound. Either I can't find it or you haven't made it yet. I'd love to see that video when it comes out. Yeah, Jacob, I actually never made it. Um, Adam Winrich on his channel made a video which was pretty similar to what I wanted to do, so I figured, well, he already addressed it pretty well. I don't really need to. Um, but there are a few things that were different about my idea than his. I mean, he, he did a great video on the actual decibels of how loud the whip was cracking. And he got down to the scientific, like, you know, he's measuring how loud each cracker is, 
where my video, what I'd like to do still, I'd still like to do it, is more so of how the size of the whip kind of affects the, like the, the pitch of it, the pitch. Is it a deeper crack? Is it a higher pitch crack? Does it crack more easily? Just so on. So I still want to do it, Jacob, and I probably will. So, yeah, I, it's it's not that you couldn't find it. I just said I was going to do it, and I never did. So I'll still do it, though. Keep me honest, though. Uh, don't let me get away with not making it. Anderson... I don't speak Spanish, my man. I wish I did. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what, what that means, brother. Uh, Carson commented on my current nylon bullwhip making method. I bought some 3 8 inch sinker cord, and when I put the BBs in, it can fit two in a row. Do I just pack it full or line the BBs up one by one? Yeah, Carson, you're going to want the BBs to be lined up one by one, one solid row. If you do two rows, eh, it's going to throw off the roundness of your whip. So you want all the BBs to be in one solid line end to end. That's what you'll want. Okay? And that's going to give you the best, uh, not only the best taper, but the best perfectly round Okay. Elias um, asks, can you make a nylon stock whip, preferably with keepers? Make a tutorial on that. I would appreciate it very much. Love your work. Keep it up. Thanks, Elias. Uh, yeah, that's something that I'm, I'm still still working on, actually. I'm, I don't consider myself by any means very good at making stock whips. I've only made a handful of them. But if I have more time, like I said, I mentioned earlier, in between orders, I will actually uh, practice. And if I feel that I uh, can achieve the quality that I feel is fair for you guys to watch and say, and for me to say, this is how you should do it, if I reach that level, then I'll make one. But as of now, not there yet. And I need to keep working before I make a tutorial on uh, how to make a stock whip because I've got some things that I need to perfect. Um, Chase asks, on the whips, do you need to gut the paracord? Yes, you do, Chase. You should definitely gut the paracord because it's going to enable the parachute cord to lay down flat. And that doesn't doesn't mean that making a whip without gutting it won't crack. It will, but it's going to make the whip look better. But more importantly, it's going to make the whip crack better if you gut all of your paracord. And it's not that hard. You can actually expose the seven strands of one side, about pull it down, like pull the, the, uh, the outer sheath, which you're actually going to be using, and tie those white strands around a doorknob or something and then just pull that, that sleeve, which is the actual paracord, pull that off, and it's, it's easier to, uh, to do it that way. You can, you can remove, remove it very quickly and get that done. I have a cat that's wanting me to play fetch at my feet. Come on up here. There we go. 
sit on my lap. Let's chill there for a little bit. There you go. I've got this cat who loves to play fetch, and if you if you let her, she'll uh, just keep doing it for hours and hours. She, you'll throw a mouse, and she'll bring it back. You throw it and bring it back like a little dog. Um, Danny, uh, this is another Spanish comment. I don't know what that says. I'm sorry. John commented and said, I found your tutorial. I have since made two whips, a five and an eight-foot bull whip. My friend made one without pulling core out of the paracord. It is as thick as a sapling tree. Yep, that's, uh, that's something that just happens if you don't pull out the cord. And uh, Chase, who commented, uh, that's the reason you do that, Chase. That is the reason that you got the cord because it's going to also cause all of this extra thickness to your bellies. And it's going to throw everything off because more thickness of your bellies, a thicker diameter is going to mean you need to use more cord. So if you're using my strand lengths on my website, it won't be accurate. So definitely got your paracord. I like the comparison to a sapling tree. That's awesome. Lucas says, first comment, bro, and first like. Thank you, Lucas. Silvo commented on my how to make a six-foot bullwhip tutorial. Ha, ha, ha. Dot, 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 dot. I don't know what was that funny in the video, but hey, if you find it humorous happy birthday there's a question from fishing reviews hi nick i was wondering if you can get a leather bullwhip wet and if it ruins it um how can i waterproof it or make it not get wrecked uh, that's very ironic that you would actually ask that question fishing reviews because i brought with me to florida on my trip a 20 foot probably 1950 whip 20 feet long and the leather was already in a pretty bad shape and I used it outside when the ground was wet because I was like well, I'm here I want my family to see this and I want them to try it out and it ended up pretty much destroying the last two feet of the whip because the <laughs> my gosh. Oh. oh man my cat, old Hickory, just <laughs> fell from the, uh, the shelf and knocked over a whole box of whatever the hell that was. Oh my gosh, what a mess. Anyways, I cracked a 20-foot whip in the water and it did mess it up, fishing reviews. It did. And partially... That was because the whip was so old to begin with and the leather was already pretty rotten. But also, yes, water is not good for leather. So if you have a leather bull whip and you crack it in the rain all the time, it's going to ruin it pretty darn fast. It really is. As far as like waterproofing the leather, you can't really do it. I mean, you can make it water resistant. You can put like Picard leather dressing um, which will help shed the water. It's an oil. It has oils in it. Uh, but that's not, it, it's, it's more of a preventive thing. Like, well, if you accidentally crack it in the water, this will kind of 
get you by, really. It's it's more of it's not just a free pass to crack your whip in the rain. Like leather whips, no, you cannot crack them when it's wet out, and you shouldn't because it will it will harm it. Um, so yeah, you just you can't crack it outside when it's raining or when there's dew in the ground if you want your whip to last. So unfortunately, yes, it water is not good for leather whips, fishing radios. Uh, Clojo commented and said, this is a comment on my original six-foot bullwhip tutorial. Ever thought about using PTFE Teflon tape? It's durable, stretchy, and there's no glue. I have not, but I will look into it for sure. Josie commented on the six-foot bullwhip tutorial as well. Actually, let me... Yeah, the next three comments are on the six-foot bullwhip tutorial. Josie says, very nice. Thank you, Josie. Uh, Simon commented and says, Hi, maybe I'm using the wrong rope for the core, but after I gut it of its center rope, I try to put the rod on it. The only problem is that it acts like a Chinese finger trap, causing the rope to tighten as I try to push the rod in. Any tips? Mm. It's interesting that it's happening when you're pushing the rod in in because usually a Chinese finger trap that mesh trapping mechanism or that 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 mesh trapping action is a better word happens when you're pulling it out which is a good thing actually because you know it's you don't want the handle to slip out um Simon I try using 3 8 inch sinker cord that's what you should try. Um, it's better. It's not quite as tight as what I was using uh, in the original tutorial. But if you, that's all you have, then just do it very slowly. Just kind of twist it. That's what you're going, going to want to do if you're having that Chinese finger trap when you're pushing the rod in. Spin the rod as you uh, push it into the co into the uh, the cord, and that should help you get it get it in there without it. Um, giving you problems. Haldora, sorry I messed your name up. I know I did. Iceland only has 6mm and 7mm paracord for the core. Which one should I get? For the core? 7mm. Uh, Definitely because that's going to actually fit over the quarter inch steel rod. Jacob asks, is there a reason you use a herringbone on the thong? Could I use the diamond plat if I wanted to, or some other pattern? Or is there some benefits to doing the herringbone? Good question, Jacob. The herringbone is the standard, and it's the standard because it's fast. It's quicker than the diamond plat. Sure, you can definitely do the whole whip and diamond plat if you want, but dropping strands within a diamond plat I've never really done that before, to be perfectly honest with you, Jacob. Um, so it might be noticeable where strands are dropped if you're doing a diamond plat the whole whip. But no, that is, you can completely do that. The reason that the herringbone is the standard is because I think it's because it's the strongest, it's the most durable, it's the tightest pattern that you can plate, and it's the quickest. 
Niven commented on the six foot bull whip tutorial. My papa used to bake the belly of it out of paracord paracord and it, it works much better it's not so stuff and heavy my papa used to bake the belly make the maybe you meant make b is sort of close to m on the keyboard my papa used to make the belly of it out of paracord okay okay that makes sense um yeah you you can do that niven if you want um whatever method that your father used or your grand grandfather used. I'm sure it worked well for him. Everyone has their different methods. Mr. Short Stuff 95. Hey man, just came to this vid and saw it blew up. I still have the first bullwhip you sold and what and wondered if you like it back as a as a little memento to see where you started. What? Are you serious? Yes, please. Are you serious? You have it? Which one? All right, I'm gonna reply. I want you to see this, Mr. Short Stuff. You have my first whip. still have the first bullwhip you sold and wonder you got to be kidding me this is crazy sorry I gotta take some time to do this sorry guys I that caught me off guard I cannot believe it just came to this vid and saw it blew up. I still have the first. If you're talking, Mr. Short Stuff, are you talking about that that black and yellow bullwhip? Because if you are, I can't believe it. If you could please email me at nickwschrader at gmail.com. We can talk about this. Wow. Man, that, that caught me off guard. I can't. That's incredible if you still have that whip. I'd love to talk. Um, let's see. The Accidental Trucker. Love all your videos. I've learned a lot, but because you asked, the GoPro style made me motion sick. Something I've never experienced before. Yeah, um, I don't think I'm going to be using the GoPro anymore. I had a lot of people talking to me and, and letting me know that they were not pleased at all with it. So we won't. The GoPro's a no go from now on. Moonlight Dragon, comment on the six foot bull whip tutorial. I've been wanting to make a whip since my high school days, but always assumed they could just be made of leather. Thanks for this video. Definitely gonna try my hand at it now and hopefully have a new hobby. Best amateur how-to video I've seen. Thank you so much, Moonlight Dragon. I'm very glad that the video was helpful to you. If you have any um, have any questions along the way, feel free to contact me. Uh, let's see here. Half gap. Comment on my wooden handle bullwhip tutorial. It has been a while since I've made. Since I've made a whip, I might try something like this though. Thanks for the video. You are very welcome. Uh, another question from Chase. 
Hey, Nick, was wondering which layers you use gutted paracord and which you don't would really help. Thanks. Chase, I got the paracord on every single layer. Uh, let's see here. Jonathan, so that explains why I've been getting gaps in my snake whips. No more four-point fall hitches for me. Six-point hitches all the way. This is my an old video about a green and black bull whip that I made a few years ago. I was going through this phase where I said, I think I said, hey, I'm, I'm not doing four-point fall hitches anymore. I'm doing six-point fall hitches, whatever. Um, no, 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 no. I, I prefer a four-point fall hitch. Maybe it was because of the core material that I was using. I think that's what it was. I was using this really fat, thick core material all the way to the end. And I was like, whoa, man, my, my, my four-point fall hitch isn't completely covering the core. I must start doing six point fall hitches so you can't and that's why i did that jonathan now since i'm actually using the three eighths inch sinker cord four point fall hitches work perfectly fine over them or what i like to do now as i've addressed so many times before is for a example a six foot bull whip i like to carry that three eighths inch sinker cord all the way down to about five feet and then the last foot the core is actually 550 paracord, so you can really get that fine point in four plat. So Jonathan, experiment with it. If you like six-point fall hitches better, do them. But I prefer a four-point fall hitch because you can get that nice thick to small ratio from the handle, tapering all the way down to the end of the whip. But whatever works for you. Balaze commented on the six-foot tutorial, the original one. Stock whip. Can this whip become a stock whip somehow? No. Balaze, it unfortunately can't. A bull whip is all one fixed whip. It's all one piece. I mean, it could if you cut it off at the handle and attach a, a, a keeper to it. Then, yeah, technically it could be. But a bull whip is a bull whip. And a stock whip is a stock whip, unfortunately, Blasi. So, uh, no, it cannot. Thank you, Dorothy. She says, well done. I appreciate it. Taposaurus, top 10. Chubby John Snow making a whip. What could you ask more? I've lost weight, Taposaurus. That makes me sad. That hurts my feelings. No, I'm just kidding. Screw below, commented on the six-foot bullwhip tutorial. You could save a lot of time if you just buy line preloaded with BBs. It's called weight line. It is, it is used to make fishing nets and can be purchased in any good marine supply hardware store. Weight line. Ray VDP commented on the wooden handles tutorial. Leave it on the lathe and wrap the sanding paper around it. Going to save lots of time and elbow grease. Thank you, Ray. I will definitely do that. A lot of other people also recommended that. I don't know why I was afraid to do it, but I'm not anymore. Derek comments on the original six-foot tutorial. Great video. I will definitely be trying this. Is there anything different when you make a whip from leather, what would be the cord measurements for for an eight and 10 foot whip? 
Thank you for your amazing tutorial. Oh, you're very welcome, Derek. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, yes, there are many different things about making a whip from leather, and I would recommend you check out my friend's YouTube channel, Blake Bruning of Trinity Whips. He has a lot of tutorials on leather whips, so please check out his videos. He's got some good ones. Ah, another Jon Snow reference. You know nothing, Jon Snow, from Rarity Fleur. <laughs> oh, man. VYM. It's a comment on my uh, how to make a snake whip. Hey, Nick, love the video, but going through some of your more recent videos, it looks like you've changed a lot of your methods. <coughs> Excuse me. But those are all vids for bull whips. Would you be willing to make an updated current tutorial for snake whips? It would be greatly appreciated for myself, and I'm sure plenty others, and go a long way in proving my snake whips. Fingers crossed. Hope to hear back, and thanks in advance. Yeah, I could do that, VY. I could do that for you. Um, to be honest with you, there's not a lot that has changed from that video. Well, let me let me rephrase that. Everything that's changed in a bullwhip, disregarding the handle, obviously the steel handle, applies also to snake whips. The binding, the way I end the bellies, um, fall hitches, knots. It's all very similar, but... If you really would like to see a video, it wouldn't be much trouble to just go through while making a snake whip. So I think I can make that happen for you. And I'll make a note of it right now so I don't forget. <coughs> Update on snake whips. Okay. Thank you, BY. I'll try to do that as soon as I can. Uh, comment on the Conchos video from Sforza. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, this is a comment from Dakota Holiday on my current nylon bullwhip making tutorial. Hey Nick, I was wondering if this sort of plating would work with leather. Also, do you have a video of making leather whips? Or if you know of someone with a video, I certainly do. Uh, where they get it and what and what they use. Thanks. I love this video, by the way. Super helpful. Thank you, Dakota. I appreciate it. Uh, my friend Blake Bruning of Trinity Whips can help you with your leather bullwhip needs. Um, check out his YouTube channel, Blake Bruning. I think he has a couple, actually. Trinity Whip Co. And uh, just his personal, uh, Blake Bruning. Visit trinitywhipco.com. And you can contact Blake, and he would be uh, happy to help you. Um, and also, yes, uh, I've, I missed a part of that question. Um, wondering if this sort of plating would work with leather. Yes, it definitely would. Um, it's the same principle, Dakota. Just much less work. Nylon whip making is probably a third of the work that is put into um, making a leather whip but yes the plating the principle is the same another question from Dakota 
on my transition knot tutorial. Hey Nick, I'm just starting making nylon whips. And I was wondering if the transition knot and the heel knot are necessary or if I can make a whip without them. Just curious. You sure can, Dakota. The transition knot plays no role whatsoever other than cosmetics. The heel knot, however, a little different. Um, it's nice to have something at the end of your whip to kind of keep your hand from sliding off the end of the whip. But like I said, you don't, it's not necessary. You can make a nice whip. That if, you're, if you're just going for functionality, you don't care about looks, you can skip so many steps and cut so many corners. You don't need knots. You don't need, you know, you, no, you, you don't have to have the knots. They're primarily for cosmetics. Heel knot, it's debatable. That's a little more important to keep your hand from sliding off. But no, you don't have to have the knots, Dakota. Dylan commented on the wooden handle tutorial. Still making whips? I sure am, Dylan. Dylan asks, how much for an 8-foot kangaroo hide bull whip? I do not offer custom kangaroo hide bull whips anymore, Dylan. I'm sorry, but my friend Blake Bruning of Trinity Whips does. Bragill commented on my current nylon uh, whip making tutorial. And let's see here. Excellent video. There are a couple points that could use clarification concerning the fall and the cracker if you have time. Number one, how long do you make your fall? And about where do you thread back, uh, back into itself? All right, let me address that first. How long do I make the fall? I like to make my falls two feet long. That's the standard, two feet long. Pretty much on every whip now, two feet long. So I'm taking a four-foot piece of gutted parachute cord, threading the needle on one end, folding that in half. Then I find the two-foot mark and thread the needle in at the two-foot mark. So that's how I do that, Brigill. Question number two. How long do you make each strand for your cracker? I'm sure these are things that are second nature to you at this point, but would be very useful to elaborate on. Thanks. That's true, Brigill. Sometimes uh, some of these things are very second nature to me because they're so acquired. I've done them, done them so many times that I forget that I need to take the time and slow down and explain everything I'm doing, which I feel like I've done a pretty good job of that in a lot of my videos, but at the same time, Here's an instance where, you know, I let something go like this. So I appreciate you, you know, stopping me and saying, hey, man, you know, slow that down a little bit. So I will. Um, I'm going to try to do that from now on, Brigill. Um, I, I shouldn't just assume subconsciously just uh, go into automatic mode and just do things. I'll, I'll, I'll work on uh, explaining exactly what I'm doing. So how long do I make each strand for the cracker? The same thing applies... Um, for the cracker as it does uh, for, for the fall. I like my crackers to be 8 inches long. That means I'm going to take a 16 inch strand of whatever I'm using. We'll say gutted parachute cord. Um, we'll take one of those str inner strands. So that's 16 inches, folding it in half around a pen or something and pinching the end. And I'm spinning it. 
So I like my tassel to be two inches long and then the twisted part of the cracker, I like it to be six inches long. This is just what I found to work the best. Um, for some people, two inches on the tassel is a little bit long, but this kind of depends on how long your whip is that you're cracking and how heavy it is. For a heavier whip, you can get away with longer tassels, sometimes even three inches. For a three foot snake whip, not so much. So it kind of depends, Brigill, on how long and how heavy your whip is. But the general rule that I like to follow is about a two foot long fall and an eight inch long cracker. But it's something you play with a little bit. If, the, if you're getting a lot of drag and your, your cracks are muffled, you know, trim that tassel back a little bit. So I do want to make a video and I'm going to make a note of this. Now, um, yes, cracker video. I'm realizing that there are a lot of points that I would like to make in this cracker video that haven't already been addressed in other videos. So, Brigill, I'll make a video on this soon. So I hope that helps you. Keep on plating, my brother. Jeremy commented on my binding bellies video and says, Hey, Nick, my wife is mad at you because there's like paracord all over our place. My neighbors aren't too thrilled. <laughs> Either all the cracking, I guess. Anyway, do you have a eBay store? That's funny, Jeremy. I mean, that's, you should see the whip shop actually right now. It's pretty bad. It's been worse though, but that happens. That happens, you know. A mess is often a sign of progress, though. Am I right? Um, yeah, I do have an eBay store, but I haven't used it in probably three years, um, simply because I don't really need to at this point. Um, a lot of the people who are ordering whips are doing so on nickswhipshop.com. And eBay takes 9% of a sale. That's a lot of money. So I try to avoid eBay, but every now and then I'll throw a whip on eBay. A uh, username is Nick's Whip Shop. That's where I started on eBay. So yes, I do, but I don't sell much on it, Jeremy. Well, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back. Wow. Man, guys, I'm serious. Like, the craziest stuff just unfolded during the recording of this podcast, episode three of Whipcast. I just got te done texting Ryan, who is Mr. Short Stuff, the guy in the comments that said, hey, I've got, I've got one of your first whips. Would you like me to send it back to you? Ryan was one of my first. I think he was my second ever whip customer. Like, it was the second whip I ever sold in my life went to this guy, Ryan. And he's generous enough to be like, hey, man, your whip business has, has uh, progressed a lot. And I, I know that having a first whip, having that first business dollar posted up on your restaurant wall means a lot to you. And uh, he's going to send me the whip back. I can't, I can't believe it. And thank you so much, Ryan. When I get this thing back, I'm going to make a video about it and showing the before and after and how things have changed. So that's so awesome. I'm so thankful that you came across uh, my channel again and contacted me. It really means a lot. So thank you, brother. That's awesome. Well, we have a few more uh, questions to address. Also, if you appreciate what I do, 
Um, Nick's Whip Shop is is a free service. Uh, you don't have to pay anything. But if you do like what I do, please consider uh, heading over to Patreon.com, where if you like, you can you can uh, put down a little bit of a little give a little something per month. Doesn't have to be a lot, you know, a dollar, maybe two. It just helps the channel uh, to keep going. So, Patreon.com slash Nick's Whip Shop. Check that out if you like. And also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Nick's Whip Shop. Uh, also, the new channel, Nick's Whip Shop 2. The Nick's Whip Shop 2, like I said, is just going to kind of be a fun channel, a lot of joking around and some whip reviews. And I actually, during my break, I went over there, and right now, well, right now for you, the video is live on Nick's Whip Shop 2. But right now, for my time, in my little world here, in the past, <laughs> the video is uploading as we speak to the new channel. And that's the video of the family reunion and sharing whips with them and what have you. So, yeah, that's on its way. Got another text here and from Ryan. Oh, awesome. That's so awesome. I can't believe you're going to do that, brother. Thank you. All right, to end episode three of Whipcast, we're going to head over to Facebook.com and answer some questions here from you guys in the messages. Uh, some of the questions are a little personal, or some of the messages that I get are personal, so I'm not going to read the personal ones. I don't want to... Uh, crack open a message that's meant to be private by any means so I'm not going to do that alright let's see here inbox alright I need to definitely zoom in on this okay this is a message from Laura Hi Nick, I've been watching all your videos and so far I've made three really good whips, according to experts. So first, thanks for your great videos and your great teaching style. You're welcome. Second, is there any way to ask you small whip making questions that should only require a short answer? Example, a cracker made of my waxed polyester thread is a little more rigid than one made out of paracord innards. Will it make as good slash easy a crack as one that's soft so it can change direction faster? It's cool if you'd rather not do that. I'm sure you would be inundated. In any case, thanks for helping me take up this awesome new hobby. I'll be looking to buy one of your bullwhips as soon as I decide exactly what I want. Cheers, Laura. Yeah, Laura, I'm, I'm happy to answer questions um, that are brief like that, just simple questions. Um, the best way to probably do it uh, would just be to straight up just text me. Um, I would just, just text me, and uh, that way, you know, it's going straight to me. It'll notify me um, for, for you as well as everyone else. My number is 1-317-296-4686. So if you just straight up text me your quick question, and 
I'll get back to you if I can. Another thing I wanted to ask you guys is I'm looking for you to call me and leave a voicemail so that I can play it on this show. And it doesn't have to be specifically questions for me to answer. It can be discussion topics. You can be like, hey, I think you should talk about this, uh, that, or let's, I'd love to hear something about this on the podcast. So just call my number and leave a voicemail, and I'd like to play your voicemail with your permission, of course, on the show. So yeah, that'd be cool. Anyways, to answer your question on the air, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. When you have something that's that light going that fast, we're talking, you know, 900 miles an hour, 1,400 miles an hour with a heavy crack, that little amount of wax won't uh, cause enough stiffness to change the ease of the crack. So I wouldn't worry about it, Laura. No worries there whatsoever. Okay, let's see here. On to the next one. Oh, yeah. I'm going to turn the Wi-Fi on. I'm getting this terrible noise from the... Uh, from the what from the uh, the internet hear that clicking hear it it's annoying so I have to keep turning off the uh, the internet now it's uh, not loading of course here it is this is a question from Christopher hey Nick I had a question about the construction of your whips what material are you using to bolster your nylon whips now? I have heard that vinyl is a good material, but I am unsure. <clears throat> I will be re-watching your videos again and taking notes, but I wanted to see if the method has changed as you have improved your craft. Thanks for all your help. You're giving the whip community. You're welcome, Christopher. Um, vinyl is the material that's used in electrical tape. It's just got some glue added to it. So there are better materials to use, Christopher. I like to use artificial sinew, as you will see uh, when you when you go back and, and uh, rewatch some of my, my newer videos. You'll see that I like to use a material called, called artificial sinew to bind the bellies. And that's for the binding. For the bolstering, uh, as you mentioned, I like to use now... Um, a hockey tape and what it is is it's like a nylon mesh tape with a little bit of glue added and it's not stretchy at all and it allows wax to pass through it unlike the vinyl tape the electrical tape that I used to use um, another option is floor mat tape um, it's the stuff that you put underneath the floor mat to keep it from sliding around that can also be seen in one of my uh, my latest videos um, Actually, my, my updated video on my current nylon bullwhip making tutorial, and there you'll see um, that I talk about that double stick floor mat tape. So, yes, a combination of, of either of those two materials that I just mentioned um, with artificial sinew, and that's my favorite binding method for bolstering. And here is a message from Jacob. Hey Nick, I've been I've been learning how to make whips from your videos, and I want to thank you for posting them. And I've 
been making them better and better each time, and I hope to sell some. My own little whip shop is in my college dorm. That's awesome. Um, so I work with what I have, but I love your videos. Very helpful. Thank you. That's awesome, man. You got a whip shop in a dorm room. Now that is cool. And he has attached a picture of a nice orange and black whip. Looks sharp, brother. Nice, nice. Keep it up. Whip shop in a dorm room. I love it. Here's a message from TY. I wanted to say thank you for your tutorials. Never owned or even cracked a whip properly before I made one. I used the inside of my 550 cord as sinew. Love it. Thank you so very much, man. You are very welcome, TY. I used to do that too, using the inner strands of the 550 uh, of the 550 parachute cord and bind with it, and it actually works pretty well. You can still, I, every now and then, I'll still use that for one of my whips. I'd like to I'd like to just make and maybe put on my uh, whips and stock page, but it's still a great material to use. It's a message from Austin. Hey Nick, I just wanted to ask you, is it better to have a heel knot on a whip? Does it give it more balance to the whip itself or anything like that? Yeah, it does. And I actually missed this. I'm just now realizing that, um, I don't remember who it was, but there was a comment saying, or asking, do you need to have the knots? Do they do anything? And I said, no, they're just for cosmetic purposes and uh, keeping your hand from sliding off. That's not true. Um, the heel knot also provides balance to the whips. Oftentimes, um, a lot of leather whip makers will add a lot of weight, like lead, to the heel knot, and that helps balance the whip. So also that heel knot can be a place um, that you can add weight to to balance the whip. I actually had a customer a few months ago who requested uh, some weight in the, in the handle under the heel knot, and I put some lead under there to balance it out and make it a handle heavy whip. So that, that right there is an example of what the heel knot can be used for balancing the whip. I personally like a whip that's a little bit uh, nose heavy, like more, more weight in the thong, the whip part itself than in the handle. But it's personal preference and whatever you know feels right for you when you're cracking a whip, that's what you should go for. Well, that uh, pretty much wraps up our question time for uh, this week's episode of Whipcast. I, I'd like to get uh, some whip makers on here pretty soon. Um, so if you're a whip maker and you'd like to be on this show, contact me. Because I can do, um, I can do Skype, too. Like, if you... I'd love to interview some fellow whip makers and if you, you don't you know if you can't fly out to Indiana, no worries. The interwebs will um, fix that problem for us. So for real though, if, if you'd like to be on the show, I'm totally open to it. If you just started getting into whip making a few months ago after watching one of my videos, somebody else's videos, your father in law taught you how to make a whip and you got into it and you like it and you want to talk about it and tell everyone else, I'd love to have you on this show. So right now I'm basically taking, uh, filling in spots. Like there's open positions for you guys to come in and be on the show.
in person or via Skype. So contact me if you'd like to be on this podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening, and I will be back next week. You guys have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever you're doing. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And keep on cracking and plating. I will see you next time.